the point of fairy tales isn't to, you know, convince everyone that dragons are real. The point of fairy tales is to say, hey, when you face dragons, proverbial dragons in your own life, whatever that looks like, you too are going to be able to slay them. For me, storytelling really does help me learn how to live. It helps me understand the world and I don't know, put myself in in someone else's shoes and see the world from their perspective. And like, oh, perhaps me, I do not have everything figured out perfectly. Perhaps I have things to learn still. Like that's just a, you know, that curiosity is a pretty uh, pretty fun way to, to live. The world is out there to explore and I just love it. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to the Ramble Room. I'm your host, Ransom, and as I always say, this is a safe place to ramble. My guest today, Lynn Renee Maxey, is an award-winning TV and movie writer. Notably, she wrote on the first three seasons of the Emmy-winning series The Handmaid's Tale before branching off into other projects. As a WGA writer, she's on strike right now, but once that's over, she'll be diving back into several projects in TV and film. She's a longtime L.A. friend and an absolute gem. And though she's experienced her share of struggles, she always brings hope to wherever she is and to the stories she tells, dark as they might be. She's always a delight to talk to, and I'm thrilled to have her here in the Ramble Room. Lynn, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I've really been looking forward to this. Yeah, I do mean it. You're always a pleasure to talk to, right? I got together with you and Luke, uh, your husband Luke, a few weeks ago, and it's just like, ah, you just bring a light to wherever you are, so oh, this is going to be thank fun. thank you. Thank you. Same to you guys. Ah, thanks. Well, like we always like to start out here in the Ramble Room, what are you up to in your life right now, and what's the story of how you got there? Well, <laughs> right now, as you said, I am currently on strike as a member of the Writers Guild, um, but previous to that, um, I had been developing a bunch of different projects um, in both features and television. I kind of live in this sci-fi and speculative fiction world. Um, that's kind of my giant, happy uh, umbrella that I tend to write under. Um, and I was just honestly having the best time kind of following my own curiosity about the way that the world is now and where it could be going with you know, technology, things like um, artificial intelligence, particularly generative artificial intelligence, it's a whole thing. Um, and just kind of imagining what, uh, what the future might bring to us. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's been great. I'm definitely looking forward to the day that the, uh, negotiations end and we can be not on strike anymore. Uh, but in the meantime, I am getting all my steps in every day. <laughs> That's right. Because uh, it's required to pick it as a member of the WGA. Is that right? It's, it's part of your responsibilities. Yes. Yes. It's part of our responsibilities, but it also, it also feels like uh, it's something that I want to do. It's a, it's something that you know, the WGA has been so incredible and has been such a support over 
my career um, that I want to, I want to go be there. I'm not like, you know, they're not coming to my house and chasing me out with pitchfork being like, <laughs> go, go. You know, it's, it's me wanting to be there, not just for, for me and my career um, and, you know, kind of my future, but also imagining all of the, the writers that are going to come up after us, um, you know, the writers who are today assistants or, you know, are in elementary school or are not born yet. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a career. I wouldn't have things like healthcare or a pension, like just very basic, incredible things that make my life different. Like had previous generations of writers not gone on strike, I wouldn't have those things. So it kind of feels for all of us, like it's now our turn to step up and, and fight for ourselves and the future of our careers and the future of our industry as a whole. Yeah. It's funny. It makes me wonder, you write in such interesting kind of murky worlds sometimes, or when one of the summary pages I read about you said that you like these dark worlds, but you bring hope to it. As you look at our real world, you know, considering all the things that are happening in the strike and just everything that's happening in the world, do you see kind of a dystopian future or is it sort of balancing on the edge and you're like, well, I could go either way. <laughs> I mean, it honestly depends on what day you ask me. Um, <laughs> some days I'm definitely like, oh my God, we're all dead. Uh, this is the end of the world. But yeah, then yeah. other days, you know, I see, I do see so much hope. I see people, uh, you know, inside and outside the industry who are just continuing to fight and continuing to believe. And, you know, one of the things that I've talked so much about being on the picket lines, like it's exhausting. It's physically exhausting. The uncertainty is exhausting, but I'm also surrounded by so many other people and so many friends and, you know, I'm bumping into people that I, I haven't seen in, you know, five, 10 years and just, getting to see them and connect with them. And I think that that's a huge part of what gives me a lot of the hope that I still somehow miraculously am carrying around because, you know, none of us were meant to do this alone, but there's that, the connection and the understanding that we're not in this alone and that like maybe one person can't do everything, you know, but all of us together doing some of the things like that adds up over time and hopefully will will point us to a a more beautiful future. Yeah. Speaking for all writers, we are with you. We're with you guys. And uh, <laughs> well, thank you, know, you. Looking for that beautiful future for sure. Um, I loved what you said about the, you know, you're thinking of the writers who are in elementary school, right? They're just starting out. They're just finding out that they have this gift and this way that they see the world. I'd love to hear what's been your writing journey? Like what was that first spark? And then how did it evolve from there toward actually becoming a screenwriter and choosing that as your career path, your medium, and just the way that you bring what's in your head out into the world? This is such a great question. Ironically, until you ask the question that specific way, I hadn't really thought about why I was so like, you know, concentrating on the writers that are, you know, currently in elementary school or kindergarten now, you know, but that's a lot of my story. I was eight years old and in second grade when I came home and announced to my parents that I was going to be a writer when I grew up. And you know, I just, I loved storytelling. I loved creating worlds. And, 
yeah, at eight years old, I had absolutely no idea what went into that, what it was going to look like. I didn't have any concept that anyone wrote television. I thought I was going to be a novelist. Um, but that, that moment changed my life. And I honestly never deviated from it. Like, honestly, credit to my parents that, you know, they looked at their eight-year-old and were like, okay, like, you go, girl, like, go be a writer. They, they just made me, you know, believe that I could do it because for some crazy reason, they thought I could. Um, and so I, you know, wrote kind of in the very, you know, little kid, junior high, high school way, you know, writing short stories and imagining novels. And I went to school for creative writing, still thinking I was going to be a novelist. And then in, you know, a very Hollywood kind of moment, um, I met a very cute boy uh, <laughs> at the coffee shop where I work, there we go. Um, immediately fell in love with him, married him, and we moved to Los Angeles together. Um, and that once I got to LA, I started really thinking about, you know, not just writing short stories and novels, but you know, there was this whole world of screenwriting of for television and for film. And I tend, you know, like I said, I tend towards the stories of um, sci-fi and speculative fiction. And that just seemed to be a very good um, genre to focus on <laughs> with, yeah. you know, visual storytelling. It just seemed to fit. Um, so I, I was really lucky. I, you know, interned at, uh, a television show. I interned at a couple different production companies um, and then just really started to work my way up learning at every step, um, which was what I wanted. I never wanted to be the writer who came in and, you know, didn't understand why you couldn't have 5,000 extras or, you know, had no idea what, you know, a, a DP did or had no idea what you know, every single person on the crew did. And so being able to work my way up and see all the different processes from, you know, the development process to what it looks like uh, once there is a script and, you know, how does your production team prep it in eight days and shoot the episode in eight days and what that all looked like. Um, I just got a really kind of, uh, trial by fire <laughs> uh, view of the entertainment industry. And I worked my way up. I, you know, knew I wanted to write. So I, you know, as the years went by, I started really focusing on uh, working in writer's rooms and being a showrunner's assistant and then a writer's assistant, just, you know, the person in, in the writer's room taking notes and just, uh, making sure that everything that gets said within a writer's room gets captured um, because so much is said that it's, you know, really great to have a whole bunch of notes to go back and be like, okay, we talked about it on Tuesday. Like, does anybody remember what, you know, that website was that we were talking about? Like, it's yeah. great to just have that. Um, but again, that gave me a really um, up close and personal view of what it looked like to, uh, to be in a, in a television writer's room. Um, and just learning to write in a totally different way. Um, and then I 
was the writer's assistant on Covert Affairs for USA, where um, I got my first episode um, of television, which was, you know, just an absolutely surreal moment. <laughs> that that uh, sounds pretty my, magical. I have to imagine where you're like written by. It's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my showrunners, bless them, did not uh, talk to me about it beforehand. They just announced it to the room that uh, <laughs> I was going to be writing. And I just remember like, you know, the blood kind of draining from my head and being like, <laughs> why is everyone looking at me? Oh, Wait, man. did they? They said my name. I'm what? What? It was just like this crazy moment. The time has um, come. Yeah. And it <laughs> begins now. So that was um <laughs> that was so much fun and so crazy. Um and then, you know, in the in the years after that, I went into development, um, developed a couple of pilots for companies and wrote the book for a stage musical, just did a whole bunch of stuff, and then um, one of my former bosses, Bruce Miller, uh, told me one day that he was going to be uh, creating and running The Handmaid's Tale for Hulu. And I had read the book in college, had absolutely loved it, hadn't picked it up since. Like, I couldn't even find my copy of it. Um, so, you know, when Bruce said he was going to be creating and running the show, I basically immediately drove to the nearest bookstore, uh, <laughs> bought another copy, and then, you know, ended up interviewing on the show a couple of months later and joining the writing staff a few months after that. And then it was truly off to the races. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of crazy, uh, but really, really wonderful. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's just great lighthearted drama, right? Just the headman's tale, just so happy and sunny and Oh yeah. Right. Totally chill. Totally lighthearted. I didn't know <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> I, it makes me wonder like was that writers room a really like humorous place when you're dealing with such dark material? Does it kind of in the writers room do you guys kind of keep it light just since you have to go to, back to your desk and write these chilling tales? Yeah, amazingly enough, it really was. We were, you know, for as as uh, dark as our storytelling was, there was a lot of a lot of love. A lot of us had worked together before, so we knew each other, and you know, we're friends outside of outside of writing. So I'm incredibly grateful because I think you know, had it been a really you know dark, toxic, terrible writers' room, plus that subject matter like no <laughs> none of us would have survived but yeah. <laughs> uh but we did we did we made it that's an, and it's an incredible show and i remember uh, speaking to you about it kind of back when it was all sort of percolating and you were about to join that writing staff and, and you talked about how much that book inspired you how much you loved it and it was just this beautiful moment where like what you loved and the opportunity that was coming down the pike met and you know just kind of opened doors for you uh, i wanted to ask what are some other works that have inspired you as a writer and especially kind of as you've grown into screenwriting and so broadened your medium, so to speak? Oh, I mean, how long is your podcast? I mean, <laughs> we can do a part I one and two. Just go. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, hi and welcome. I'm going to take over. Welcome to storytelling with Lynn. This is great. Um, no, I mean, I have so many different uh, projects and stories and books that have inspired me um over the years you know I tell people you know shows like I mean even going back as far as like the West Wing 
um, and Alias really, you know, I, I binged all the DVDs with my college roommates. And that was the first kind of moment that I thought, wait a minute, somebody writes TV for a living. Huh, that must be a cool job. Like, <laughs> and just sort of went on with no, no realization of, you know, that this was definitely my, my future. So, you know, there's lots of other uh, shows. I mean, I'm going to start with some of the most recent ones that I've loved. Um, like uh, The Last of Us oh, yeah. has been incredible. I mean, just talk about this incredibly dark dystopian world, but such hope and such human connection. Um, you know, same with Station Eleven um, has been one that I've really, really loved. Um, you know, uh, my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> my brain <laughs> like, is just like going a thousand exactly. miles an hour. I mean, just try to catch yeah. them as they come by. You know, just any of them. Yeah, okay, all good answers. Yeah, you know, for all mankind, um, the bear. I just stayed up until two in the morning finishing season two of the bear. Um, and then you know some some more classic, um, or I guess classic for me shows like Halt and Catch Fire on AMC or um, Orphan Black. Just again these these really crazy wild stories that at the core are just very human stories. Like, you know, with something like orphan black, like I very obviously don't have a bunch of experience uh, (laughs) with, you know, cloning and, Oh my God, there's 20 of me out there, but I do know what it's like to, you know, dig in and figure out who I am in the world or, you know, I'm, I know what it's like to to connect with people or miss people. Like there's just this human core in this absolutely insane world. So I love things like that. And literally I will talk about them forever. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have forever, but no. Yeah, Um, we'll work on it. that's the best thing about fiction and narratives because I, I, I have friends that they don't understand why anyone would read something that isn't real and it's like how do you explain to somebody like no it's the it's actually really really real I mean down underneath though it's the framework of it like you said the human story that we all can understand set against extraordinary circumstances to kind of I guess remove it a little bit maybe so it's more easy to digest and not feel so you know fraught in our own angst I guess yeah. yeah. Oh, completely. There's a there's a quote from Madeline Engel who wrote A Wrinkle in Time, a bunch of other uh, stories that I think lines up with this really well. And the the exact quote is, um, story helped me learn to live. And mm-hmm. it's in um, her book, Walking on Water. And she's talking about, you know, kind of like you said, the people that looked at her or looked at her parents when she was a child and were sort of like, why would you let your child read fairy tales? Like, you know, dragons aren't real and, you know, she should 
be paying attention to the real world. And her point in, in sharing the story is that the point of fairy tales isn't to, you know, convince everyone that dragons are real. The point of fairy tales is to say, you know, hey, when you face dragons, proverbial dragons in your own life, whatever that looks like, you too are going to be able to slay them. And it just, there's something about that that I think, you know, for me, storytelling really does help me learn how to live. It helps me understand the world and, I don't know, put myself in in someone else's shoes and see the world from their perspective. And like, oh, perhaps me, I do not have everything figured out perfectly. Perhaps I have things to learn still. Like that's just, a, <laughs> you know, that curiosity is a pretty, uh, pretty fun way to, to live. You know, the world is out there to explore and I just love it. Yeah, and I mean, the emotional journeys that we can go on inside fiction that we'll never be able to take in a real life do teach us those things. And that's that's a mm-hmm. beautiful gift of being a writer, right? You take yourself on a journey as much as you take your eventual audience on a journey, and you kind of get to experience it first, make sure it works, make mm-hmm. sure all the parts go together, yeah. and then, it, yeah. then it, it lives forever, you know? It's it's amazing. I'm working on something right yeah. now where I'm trying to figure out that ending to it, and it's just not coming, and I'm like, i got to get this right. Because the audience deserves it, right? They're gonna yes. give their time, you know. Yeah. Oh, I've I've totally been there. I mean, so many times. But my favorite moment, though, is you are gonna try so many different endings. Like, okay, it could go this way or that way, or I could bring in this, and you're gonna, you know, explore and get to know your characters better and get to know the world better. And then one day, you're gonna be like, you know what? It could also go this way. And it's just going to be that moment of everything clicking together. And, you know, the kind of proverbial angel singing from heaven. You're like, there it is. There it is. And then you're going to be so glad that you, you know, fought through all of those other options and, you know, uh, pieces that didn't end up working, but that were stepping stones to get you to, oh, there it is. Okay, this is great. Yeah, and you really got to hang in there because those moments of doubt are just like they're so heavy. They're like, oh, this is never going to work. Like, I, just a curiosity question: How many moments like that do you feel like you have in any one project? Right on a daily basis, or like on an hour to hour basis? <laughs> like, know. what are you looking for here? Um, that's what I. That's what I was. I wanted people to hear because I think you know people who are just starting out can look at you a hollywood screenwriter and be like oh man i could never get there i mean i have so many doubts about my own stories and it's like guys those those never go away they they never do yeah and i always, I always tell people that and i'm like please take this as the encouragement that i mean it like not this like <laughs> congratulations it will yeah. always be this hard like i mean in some ways yes but yeah. but no i i think that that's that's part of the the human experience of just we're trying to figure stuff out. And also that's, I think, a testament to how much you love the craft of screenwriting. Like it's not just, oh, I can put up any ending and whatever, but I want to put up the right ending. I want to honor the story. I want to honor my characters. I want to honor my audience for spending, you know, an hour, two hours, 10 hours with something that I made. Like that's a huge responsibility and a huge joy um but yeah it gets it gets a little intense sometimes and that's usually when I (laughs) you know get up and go for a walk around the block or (laughs) just you know stop staring at the blank page go walk 
go play with your puppy, go talk to (laughs) a friend, anything like that. And then, you know, hopefully you can come back a little bit uh, refreshed and energized to keep going. Exactly. And your brain's always working in the background, right? So it's like, just let it do its thing. You can't squeeze blood from a stone, right? Just give it a a second, guys. Give it a second. It'll come. It'll come. Oh, my poor husband has spent so many (laughs) dinners with me. Like, you know, we'll be in the literal middle of a conversation, the middle of a sentence. And then all of a sudden I'm like, silence. Oh, there it is. And he's like, okay, do you need to go write that down? I'm like, yes, yes, I'll be right back. (laughs) Just got to like, you know, where's the post-it notes? Um, (laughs) You know, it's life, I guess, as a writer. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, here's the funny thing. And I know I'm partial because, you know, us as writers, we see life in our craft. But I mean, any creative endeavor, it just is such a great microcosm for the way life is, right? It's a journey of endurance. It's a journey toward enlightenment. It's a journey that comes in stages of, uh, you know, darkness and light and discovery and doubt. And it's just, it's really cool to be able to live in that world and sort of be crafting tools for people that is going to give them metaphors to live their life better. Yeah. I think to, to help them feel like they're not alone. Like, you know, when we go through really difficult situations, it's, it's not like we're you know, standing there hoping everyone else in the world has gone through them. You're like, well, I kind of hope no one else has to deal with this because <laughs> it's really hard. But yeah. at the same time, there's also, you know, a lot of uh, joy and understanding and uh, maybe relief feels like the right word. Just like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that this is. Okay. Okay. Great. You know, there's, there's goodness in, I don't know, the shared human experience. Yeah. And I mean, what you just said there, that someone can feel like they're not alone. I can, can't count the number of times I've heard people talk about a story that just, you know, gave their life meaning in a moment when they really needed it. And they had, mm-hmm. they felt like, oh, that character would understand me. And even though that character is not real, it gives me a sense of hope that there are other people out there that would understand. And that's, it's beautiful to yeah. be able to do that. Exactly. I love it. That's a lot of the things we love about writing, but I'm curious if, you know, giving you the floor here, because you were going to be a novelist at one point and then eventually transitioned over, what would you say are things that you maybe don't enjoy about the screenwriting life? Because for people that are listening and are considering it, I think it's always helpful for them to know, like, hey, this isn't all, you know, roses. It's it's challenging, and, and though it's worth it, it definitely, there are parts of it that you need to know about as you're considering kind of going into that. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a... That is a great question. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of what I don't necessarily always enjoy about screenwriting. It's not that it's, you know, specific to screenwriting. Like this isn't like, oh, none of these problems would have happened if I would have been a novelist. No, I would have had a lot of the same problems. I think this is, you know, more writing in general, but, you know, it can be a lot of work. Like, you know, I, with and not just like putting words on the page like by the time i'm putting words on a page by the time i'm actually typing the script like for me that's the easier part the more intense time consuming part is the research you know spending time with my characters spending time in my office with i you know some people use note cards i actually use um big um oh my gosh post it notes um, and just, you know, moving stuff around and does the story work and, 
you know, kind of banging my head against the proverbial wall sometimes because, you know, the story isn't coming out quite how I hoped it would, or I can't quite get to where I want it to be. Um, And then, and maybe this one is a little bit more specific to screenwriting, especially television work. Like you're always on a pretty tight schedule, especially in TV, especially as you start getting towards the end of the season. Mm. Um, You end up like the script needs to get written immediately because production is waiting for it. And, you know, this brilliant crew of 150 other people are waiting for you to finish your job. So there's not like the, you know, oh, it's five o'clock. I'm now going to clock (laughs) out and go home and live my life and see my friends. Like, no, you are at your desk writing until it's done. And, you know, that can be, thankfully, I live in LA where a lot of my friends are writers. A lot of my people are in the entertainment industry or at least around the entertainment industry. So they understand what I'm like. I'm really sorry, you guys. I'm on script. I can't come to dinner tonight. Um, but it definitely, you know, for all of the beauty and the absolute, like there's nothing else I would want to do in my life, but there are definitely days and weeks where, you know, it is just me and my computer and an endless supply of coffee and the rest of the world doesn't exist until I'm done. And that can be, that can be a huge challenge. Like one of the things we've told people, my Luke and I um, have both told people is there are so many ways to be involved in the entertainment industry. If you don't love writing, like sometimes people think, Oh, I want to be a writer. I want to be in Hollywood. That's my way in, but they don't love writing. Like if you don't love writing, go find something else to do in the industry. There's so many other avenues, other ways that you can still be creative. You can still be a part of bringing TV and movies to life. Um, You just really, particularly with writing, you have to love the process of writing, the process of getting the script uh, finished, not just, you know, I like having written something or I like being a writer. Yeah. Those are different things. (laughs) Very, very different. And I would, I would add to that and I'm sure you'd agree. You have to be willing to go through the slings and arrows of whatever development process or whatever boss you're dealing with to get to the story. Like you have to have this kind of fanatical is a strong word, but we'll go with it for now. Belief that it's worth the pain to get it done. And I think for someone who doesn't necessarily have that or finds out that they don't have that, you know, trying to be a screenwriter can be really challenging. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, I wasn't just randomly, luckily born with a bunch of resilience. Like I had to, <laughs> I had to learn it. You know, you come yeah. out here, you're going to be a writer. You've got brilliant ideas. Um, and then you get told no a lot, repeatedly, sometimes <laughs> by the same people over and over and over again. And it can be really disheartening, but it's also just part of the process because one day, you're going to get that first yes. And that feeling will take you through the next 30 <laughs> no's that you're going to hear. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, it's man. just, you just got to keep going. You're totally right. Oh, that's so good. I love what you said there. Like, I had to learn resilience. Yeah, people, you know, and we're trying to teach this to our kids, Suzanne and I. 
that resilience doesn't feel good to learn. Like becoming strong is painful, not just in like physical exercise, but like emotional strength and mental strength. And man, yeah, as a screenwriter or any kind of artist, really, you you got to develop that muscle because you're going to need it. You're going to need a thick skin. Uh, but yeah, man, the, the euphoria that comes when something finally goes. I mean, there's, there's really nothing like it, or at least it seems to us, right, that there's really nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's true in, in any job, in any, any career, like you push through, you learn, you know, it's the, the moments of sitting in school and, you know, rehashing the basics over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden you learn, you grow, you're creating, you're successful, you get that first job, you get that, you know, it's the difference between I want to be a doctor versus I did it. I spent all this time and I got into medical school or I just survived residency. Oh man, I did it. I didn't sleep for 10 years getting there, <laughs> but I did it. And now, now I get to continue on. Yeah. Oh man. That's so good. you mentioned learning resilience and uh, I know, you know, from being your friend that you've gone through some, some difficult struggles in your life and I'll kind of give you the floors <laughs> to what you want to share, which ones, but I mean, everyone can hear it in your voice, Lynn, like the, the joy that you have and the hopefulness that you have. And I know you're not always feeling it when people are hearing it, but it, it's a beautiful gift that you give to the world. And so since yeah, you seem you. to me, at least you're very welcome. You seem to me at least to have, <laughs> to have really learned that skill. Uh, if you're willing to tell us kind of how that grew in you as you faced those challenges, uh, I think it'd be really helpful for people. And uh, again, appreciate you sharing. Yeah, of course. I mean, thank you for the opportunity for sure. I think, you know, again, how long is your podcast? I could talk about this for, um, <clears throat> I could talk about this for a very long time, but I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the challenges that, that I've gone through, like I didn't, you know, I had a great childhood, like my family is awesome, but none of them were in the entertainment industry. No one around me was. So I never, I didn't have that, that view of like, oh, my friend's mom is a TV writer. Okay. That's what that looks like. And, you know, those first couple of years of living in LA, uh, in so many ways were great. We made incredible friends, you know, including you, lots of, um, lots of people that are still a part of our life today, but there was so much, there was so much fear 
And so much, you know, did I just move to LA? And is, you know, this is step one in falling flat on my face. Now I would, I would visit home and talk to people that I had gone to high school or college with, and they were all, you know, buying houses and having kids and really launching into their careers. And I was, you know, still an intern getting coffee on a television show that I wasn't being paid for. And there was just this, I mean, like, I don't want to oversell it, but like this, honestly, existential panic. Yeah. Of, <laughs> that is a good way to describe the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> like, what if I've gotten this wrong? What if I have spent years and years of my life saying I want to be a writer and I just went the wrong direction and it's not actually going to happen? And what does that mean for me? And what does that mean for my husband? And, you know, oh man, am I going to have to move home and face everybody in five years? And, you know, it's just, ugh. I would not want to repeat those years for anything. And, you know, even when I did start to get into projects, um, you know, on shows, there was still that panic and still that worry. And honestly, even though, you know, you think writing, it's a very like, oh, you at your desk, like using your brain, it can't be a very physically taxing job. It really, it is. I mean, on one of the shows that I was working on, um, I ended up pushing myself so hard and working so hard and, you know, honestly not taking care of myself and living on, you know, energy drinks and uh, late night French fries that I ended up uh, collapsing from exhaustion. And I spent five days in the hospital. Oh, wow. Uh, which I would not recommend to anyone, like for anyone who's <laughs> listening, uh, genuinely taking care of yourself at every step of the way, treating it like you are an athlete preparing for a marathon, which means like eat well, sleep when you can, <laughs> call your friends, like be a person. I cannot tell you how important that is because I spent five days in the hospital um, while writing part of a script, actually. So again, like that was not, it was not something to be emulated, not my most shining moment, but that was you know, kind of this shock to the system for me of realizing I have to change how I'm looking at this. I have to take better care of myself. I have to create my life in a way that I can do this long-term because apparently if I keep going like this, you know, I'm going to burn out before I'm, you know, 27, however old I was at that point, 26. Like I don't, I don't want to drop dead at 30. <laughs> like, I mean, the stories are endless. <laughs> I could talk about it forever, but you know, those are the ones that really pop up as I think about them and really, really difficult moments of fear and chaos and wondering and worry. And how am I going to pay my rent? And what is this going to be? But um, you know, those are the, those are the ones that, Kind of have created 
the way that I look at my life now and the way that, uh, you know, I, I want to live a life so that I can hopefully do this for a very long time. You know, I would very much love to be 70, 80 years old and still writing in some form. Like who, I mean, who knows what television is going to look like or movies are going to look like when I'm 80. That aside, (laughs) I still want to be able to tell stories. I still want to love it. I still want to work towards it, that direction. That is such wisdom. It's such good stuff. I was listening to a podcast where, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus interviewing older women and she was talking to Jane Fonda and mentioning how, or Jane Fonda mentioned how she's so glad she got strong when she could so that she could stay strong. And taking care of yourself physically is just so important. And I think that that puts a better spin on self-care than that I think a lot of people give it credit for, right? I think a lot of people, maybe outside LA or in in places where it's all about kind of having grit and soldiering through and not talking about your feelings, um, (laughs) see see the idea of self-care as weakness. And it's like, no, it's just good planning. Like you said, it's like a military campaign. The, the, The battle will not be won if you don't work the logistics, if you don't outfit, if you don't make sure you've got the equipment you need. Now, you know, soldiers overcome without the equipment that they need oftentimes. And those are some great stories, speaking of stories, but, you know, day to day, you need to be, like you said, living it in a sustainable way. And I think that's great advice for anybody on a, I mean, just living, right? For parents or <laughs> people starting out Life. on their own or even kids. Yeah, exactly. Like, pass that on to my son who's doing Boy Scouts, right? Buddy, you got you to pace yourself, right? Open the yeah, book exactly. more than once a week. Yeah. <laughs> minor yeah, details, minor yeah. details. Yeah. You know, I love the way you describe that and how finding your way through those dark times is just kind of part of the process of being any kind of creative, being a writer, being a screenwriter. But I'm curious, and I don't, you know, it's kind of a downer of a question, but I think it's good for, for some young folks, perhaps, or people at a certain stage of their journey to think about. Do you have kind of uh, some criteria for someone to think about as far as maybe other than what we've already talked about, maybe screenwriting isn't for you, or maybe this particular pursuit isn't for you. You need to focus in other ways where you're more gifted. Uh, and it can be a difficult consideration considering how glamorous screenwriting seems, right? So do you have any kind of, I guess, buckets of cold water that you want to hand to people to say, maybe throw this over your head first before you take the leap? <laughs> well, I don't know if I have uh, <laughs> buckets of cold water. Um, but I think a really key Uh, thing to ask yourself is what are the things that you do for your own love, your own passion, your own enjoyment when no one else is looking and no one else is waiting for you to produce. And, you know, if you could imagine a life where you got to do the thing you wanted to do, what would that look like? So let me, let me explain this a little bit more clearly. So when I was, when I was in college, Um, I was an English major, but I also am a musician. I'm a classically trained pianist. I played in a rock band for a while. Like I love music. I love singing. I forgot about that, man. Yeah. So it's this, it was this whole other side of life. And I kind of went through this phase of saying, wait, do I want to write or do I want to pursue a career in music? And I mean, those are just insane things to be considering your career <laughs> in like both really sure paths that have a lot yeah, of clarity and absolutely. no yeah, <laughs> yeah. roughly akin to coming home and telling your parents you're gonna like run away and join the circus <laughs> um again thank god for my supportive parents right go so mom and dad one of the things yeah 
one of the things I did um, as I was trying to figure this out, I actually switched my major in college. I became a vocal major uh, for a semester and thought, okay, you know what? This is great. I know how to write. I can, I can do music and I'll, I'll learn and I'll grow and I'll go into music. And I think this is the better path for me. And the thing that I realized is that when I was an English major, I was writing for school and for fun. Um, it was what I did in my spare time. And when I was a music major, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. But I was doing music for school and I was writing in my spare time. Ah. And after a semester, I realized, you know what? I love music. I will always love music. But I wake up breathing writing. I wake up thinking about it. It's the last thing I think about when I go to bed at night. I am constantly jotting down story ideas. It just sort of naturally came out of me, I guess. Um, and so I think for for anybody that's looking at, I mean, really any creative career, but specifically writing, like take some time just by yourself and really think about, you know, what what is the thing that naturally comes out of you? Maybe you don't actually love writing, but you want to create worlds physically. You are really good at building things to create those worlds. Great. Go it more into the set design, production design version. Like you still get to do the thing you love, which is world building. You just get to do it in a different way that better aligns with who you are and what you love and what your talents are. Like I think if you take you take those kind of quiet moments to ask yourself, you know, who am I? What do I love? Um, I think that that can really help, help guide you and help kind of shape the choices that you're making. So you don't get, you know, a five, 10 years down the road and like, amazing. You have this beautiful writing career, but it turns out you actually hate writing and, are super jealous of your production designer. Like, I mean, that's a very weird and specific example, but I think <laughs> that questions like that are, are super helpful because yes, on, you know, I'm fully aware on one level, like screenwriting does feel like a very glamorous, shiny, you know, here I am on the red carpet kind of moments. Um, but it's also a lot of, I'm sitting in my office at one in the morning with a cold cup of coffee, trying desperately to stay awake on my, you know, 13th hour of writing for the day. Like you gotta love it. You gotta love writing or it is going to be a very long, very difficult <laughs> endeavor. Um, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of, reminds me of what my dad said about being in, in any kind of ministry. He's like, can you do anything else? Like, it's a hard road. Like, make sure that it's for you. That is so wise. Thank you, Lynn. That's that's exactly what I was hoping for. Like, give people the chance to sit and ask those tough questions, you know? And, and they're not tough questions. They're actually really, man, it's just like telling yourself the truth, right? Just take a second, tell yourself the truth, and then go from there. Oh, man, that's so wise.
speaking of truth, we're getting close to the end of our time here. I always like to give people a chance to talk about you know, any kind of faith, philosophy, spirituality that kind of undergirds the way they approach life and their creativity. How does faith and spirituality bring that hope to your writing, to your life? And, and does it influence your writing directly or is it more kind of a background thing? Uh, what's that like? This is such a, a complicated and continuing question in my life. I think, you know, the big, the big answer, the kind of larger answer is, yeah, it totally, my faith impacts my, my day-to-day life. It impacts my writing. Um, it's not something that I focus on a lot uh, directly in the stories that I'm telling, but it's definitely there, I think. For me, the key thing that I always look at is, um, or the key phrase I go with is love God and love people. And everything else kind of springs out of that. You know, with every with every choice that I make, every every moment, like, am I loving people well? Am I showing up for them? Am I hopefully making the world just more more beautiful and more open and more equitable and diverse and kind and um, creative, honestly. And so I kind of just really lean into that and kind of everything else flows out of that. That's beautiful. And I mean, it's, it's great, like, to build the beautiful world in the real physical so that those dystopian stories just stay fictional, right? <laughs> That's what we're going <laughs> <Yes>. for. <laughs> yes. I'm like, here's a cautionary tale. Let's yeah. not go that direction, people, for real. <laughs> exactly. Try something else. Yeah. Let's try something where, what if we lived in a world where people were cared for? What if we had really brilliant people asking really difficult questions? And these are the answers they might have come up with. Like, it's just, you know, it's, again, it, I think it comes back to the human experience and the the truth that we get to create. We're going to create something one way or another. So let's hopefully create it uh, towards a better, bigger, more beautiful world. Mm, well said. Well, I mean, hard to top that, I guess. But we always like to end with one question to give people one last chance, maybe one thought that's in their head. Is there any final piece of wisdom you'd like to leave us with as we close out this interview? I would say for everyone who's listening who wants to write, who dreams of being a writer, there's a reason for that. And just because your specific kind of writing, the stories you tell, the way that you tell them, the characters you create, all of that. Like, just because it doesn't look like someone else who has already been incredibly successful and incredibly famous, it doesn't mean that you are going the wrong direction. It doesn't mean that you are, you know, totally off base and, you know, you got to learn how to be exactly like these other people. No, like, the industry already has those other people and their voices and their ways of looking at things. And I think our, our world and our industry need those different voices, those different perspectives that just invite everyone to look at the world differently and keep writing, keep finding out more about 
who you are and the way you see the world and the things that you're super passionate about and do those things on purpose. Tell those kinds of stories on purpose because, you know, again, in the grand tradition of it's very important for people to know that they're not alone. Like you telling the stories in your voice and in your way will connect with people who are waiting for your stories told your way. And hopefully then that will inspire them and they will continue on. And the, you know, the cycle continues in this beautiful uh, continuous way. Um, I would say keep going and just keep, keep figuring out why you tell stories the way you do and just go for it. That's amazing. Love it. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you so much for yeah. your time, for your wisdom, and uh, just the beautiful spirit that you bring to every place you go, including the Rainbow Room. We really appreciate that you stopped by to just tell us Aww. so many great stories about yourself and about uh, how other people can live a beautiful life as well. Aw, thanks, Ransom. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It was a blast. I've been looking forward to this, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'll check in with you later, get some links for the show notes, and you have a fantastic day. Thanks, you too. <laughs> All right. Peace. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic wisdom from Lynn, top to bottom. Keep on going. Figure out why you tell stories the way you do, and tell those stories because no one else is going to tell them the way you will. And we need those stories. The world needs them because it's going to expand everyone else's vision. So, Lynn, thank you so much for coming on. A delight as always. And if you, dear listener, were delighted as well, please do subscribe and share, rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're on. It really helps people find the show and discover the good stuff that's here waiting for them. Now, if you loved it so much that you'd like to support us concretely, you can just go to the last link in the show notes. It says support. Click on through that, and you'll find ways to uh, help us keep doing what we're doing here. If you want to reach out to me, you can head to revenantalien.com slash contact, or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Medium. Just search for at a revenant alien and look for the logo. I'm also trying to be more active on Good Pods, which is this great app and uh, social platform for lovers of podcasts and podcasters. So if you're on that platform, hit me up there as well. And if you're a podcaster... Send me your show so that I can give it a listen, a rating, and a review, and share it with somebody that I think would enjoy it, which I'm always eager to do. And as always, if you're trying to figure out your own story, trying to make sense of this winding path through the dark and foggy woods, I hope you'll check out revenantalien.com searchers. You'll find a short little something about how I find my way through. And I hope it helps you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't be a stranger. Godspeed. And I'll see you next time here at the Ramble Room. Mm-hmm.